Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Visit the Vendor Process Training Center to enroll in your choice of 55 plus training sessions that will help you and your team avoid fraud, compliance fines, and bad vendor data. Or just sign up to get access to Vendor Process FAQs and to attend weekly drop-in live Q&A sessions. Visit training.deborahrrichardson.com today. The link will be in the show notes. A fraudulent payment has been made. Now what? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 232, two-step process when you've made a fraudulent payment. So the same way that accounts payable and the vendor team needs to have input and processes in your company's business continuity plan or BCP plan, and we all saw that it was necessary, especially if you didn't have one back in March of 2020. But the same way that you have to have input and processes in that plan, you need processes and steps to mitigate fraud in your company's fraud response plan. So I'm sure your company hopefully has something in place um, to do root cause analysis, but you may need to have some input in what they have uh, with some specific items that maybe they're not thinking about. So here are two steps that I recommend when a fraudulent payment goes out. And I say two steps, but it's really two sections of steps. Let's just get into it. All right, so the first one is report and recover. So within that, under report and recover, I have one, assign a responder. So make it clear who is to take specific steps and make sure that they are authorized and have the right required access to carry them out. The next one is to include a contact list. And those are the internal contacts, including your leadership, your bank, the bank receiving the funds. So the ODFI bank, the originating bank, the RDFI bank, the receiving bank, or the vendor's bank. Also include the local FBI office so that you can file an IC3 report. Now you can also do that online, but you might want to reach out to the local FBI office anyway, because they may be able to help you to recover those funds. So that's why you really want to report it. And then also contact the police and as appropriate, uh, if you have insurance uh, that will cover the cyber event, then you'll want to reach out to your insurance professionals. 
Now, the next thing under report and recover is to gather the details. So include all the details, such as the date of occurrence, the vendor or vendors involved, how the incident was perpetrated. And this is probably something that's already in your company's fraud uh, response plan is the root cause analysis. So that is, uh, this is probably a part of that step. And then for fraudulent payments, you'll want to make sure that you one notify your bank. So I kind of talked about that, but when you talk, when you contact them, attempt to recover the funds. So if it's still possible to recover the funds, um, and you know, that window is getting tighter and tighter because Froster's actions are really closing that window more and more. And they don't save money, by the way. So they that money is typically gone very quickly. So the sooner you identify the fraud and contact your bank, the more likely you will be successful. And then also notify your vendor. So be proactive and let the vendor know that the payment was made, but to a fraudulent account rather than waiting for them to discover that they didn't receive the payment. And this is in those uh, cases where you discover that there was a fraudulent payment. Um, Most of the folks that I talk to or my clients, they typically find that they're the ones that are notified by the vendor because the vendor notices the payment has not been made. But there may be uh, times or scenarios when you find out before the vendor does. And if that's the case, let them know. Also, um, identify how the fraudulent remittance information was received. Uh, And this can be helpful for them, especially nowadays where because of all the Um, successful phishing attempts, the fraudsters are actually in your vendor's email. And so if that was the case, you can let them know that the vendors had access or hacked their account. And that could, for them, mean that your payment to them may not be the only payment that was diverted. So that's for them to follow up um, with other payments that they were expecting and see if the fraudsters were able to change banking with their other buyers. And now they're missing even more payments. So let them know and then determine what the next steps are. Now, I will say that some companies will absorb the loss of that fraudulent payment, but some companies will not, especially if the vendor's email was hacked and a legitimate email address address requested the change. Uh, There can also be contract language about how fraudulent payments will be handled. So it is not a given anymore that if a company makes a fraudulent payment that automatically they're going to absorb the loss. And so I would, if you don't have a policy or have not discussed that in your company before, I would definitely bring that up. And then whatever decision you guys come to, make sure you put that in your fraud response plan. All right. So that is the report and recover uh, step. The second step is your vendor process. Now there are two steps that I recommend, uh, in your vendor process. And the first one has to do with your vendor master file period. So if the fraudsters were able to get through to make a change in one of your vendor records that you know of, you need to check the rest of them. So check updates, 
to the vendor master file 60 days before and after the incident. So I'm saying 60 days, but you can decide to do it longer than that or shorter than that, um, depending on how many um, maybe vendor request changes you've had, right? So make sure you check to see if any other fraudulent changes were made to your vendor, uh, your vendor records, vendors banking. So many times companies are really only alerted to fraud after a vendor misses the payment. Um, and so if you do this research, there could be more fraudulent information in your vendor master file that has yet to be detected and doing this research can then detect it. And so I recommend you run a report from your accounting system or ERP and pull new vendors added or existing vendors changed and then verify how the information was received. Also verify the supporting documentation that was received, the validations that were performed, and if there were any irregularities. Uh, And the goal here really is to identify suspicious activity to determine if additional fraud has been perpetrated. Now, this next and last step that I have doesn't necessarily need to be a part of your fraud response plan, but I do recommend that when a fraudulent payment is made, or even if you've come close to making a fraudulent payment, that you really need to review your entire vendor ad and change process because that means you've got some gaps in that process where it's allowing fraud to get through. And you need to plug those gaps up. So I'm not going to get into what that process needs to be here, but I do have a an informational video that you can register and watch for free. It's on demand, but it talks about a seven-step process for you to go through and Uh, where you really need to start to plug up those gaps. And so if you guys have listened to, you know, been listening to my podcast for a while, seen any of my information, you know that I go by a three-step vendor setup and maintenance process of authentication, validation, and management. And within that framework, there are five authentication techniques, 27 internal controls, 17 best practices, and 16 vendor validations. And what I suggest you do is you look at your current process and see where you can in, um, where you can enhance that process by putting in those authentication techniques, internal controls, best practices, and validations. And to get you started with that, I do have an informational video that you can watch. You can register for free. You can watch it. It has a seven-step process. And then I talk about a redesign, actually two redesign processes that I have. One where I will do it for you in two weeks, and then another where you do all the work, it costs less, and you can uh, do that in an eight-week period. That's really geared towards the folks that don't have a big budget or that don't have 20 hours to spare in a two-week period 
for me to do it for you where you might think, well, if you're doing it for me, why is it, why do I need 20 hours? But someone has to be there to review it and approve it. And since we're doing it in such a short period of time, yeah, I need 20 hours from both a SME and an approver. And not everyone has that time to give. And so that's where the eight uh, week program came from, but I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can watch the informational session. And maybe it's something that you can apply and do yourself. But if you want help with that, I also have information on the two week redesign project and the eight week redesign project. All right. So that is it for today. Uh, Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 232nd episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. 